do either of you guys feel like that that is something that we could see in our in our lifetime you think that's reality or is it just close enough to something uh that we could see in our lifetime that it's believable on screen do you want me to take that first john yeah why don't you do that james because i i completely spaced what kevin was saying (laughs) i got i got lots of eyes man the Caption Life, a podcast about the impact of comics and pop culture on life and society. From deep in the heart of Texas, my name is Kevin, and I'm joined by my good friends. I'm James from Kentucky, trying not to uh, laugh hysterically at the moment. And I am Sean from Indiana. Jumping right into it, guys, it's a, it's a big week for comics with uh, San Diego Comic-Con starting this week. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably been a month since uh, we recorded it. But we're not <laughs> that type of podcast. <laughs> uh, one of the great things about the week of Comic Con is that uh, it, uh, our our fandoms kind of seep out into uh, other other avenues because because San Diego Comic Con is uh, is such a big event. It gets covered in the in the news media and whatnot, and it's the time of the year where they like to break a lot of stories. So the 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 thing that's on the tip of my tongue right now that I want to start off with uh, you guys tonight, uh, breaking this afternoon, Taika Watiti has been hired, uh, and they're going to do a Thor 4. Yeah! So, I don't have to ask Sean if he's excited because... Oh, is it just me that's excited? No. <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm very excited. I hope, I hope, I hope it is Lebowski Thor, though. <laughs> like I really do. Like, just call it Lebowski Thor, and I'm there. Yeah. I'm there. I thought uh, Ragnarok, Ragnarok, Ragnarok was good. Uh, as the best one of those. So as long as they kind of continue with that vein, I'm there. I thought Thor: The Dark World was a little um, forgettable, but uh, I really hope it's that. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think the first two Thor movies are, are widely forgettable, uh, but the character development that they gave him in uh, in Thor Ragnarok, uh, I would love to see the continuation uh, of that story. Uh, and, and personally, and, and part of this is my wife speaking because he's so ridiculously good looking, but I think that uh, like Chris Hemsworth is probably just like one of the best all around like actors out there right now. Like he can do pretty much anything he wants to do and he's very, very entertaining uh, in doing it. But yeah, so we'll, we'll, I'm, I'm definitely on board. And I know as soon as I tell my wife after we get done recording this, she'll be on board too. So I know my wife is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been jealous of an actor until Chris Hemsworth. I'll just say that. Yeah. Right. Because that's all my wife talks about. All right, so uh, we we wanted to uh, we wanted to have a conversation this week about our thoughts on Spider-Man: Far From Home. Uh, it opened last weekend. We've all had a chance uh, to see it in the in the days since. Uh, I want to just go around. We're just going to go around the room, uh, the virtual room, to uh, get everybody's thoughts on it. And I will I will pass it to you, James, and let you, let you tell us what you thought about it first. Oh, I get to start first. Okay, so. Full so full disclosure, never been a huge Spider-Man fan. You know, I like the character, you know, 
the Tobey Maguire movies were okay. Uh, Andrew Garfield, you know, I saw him, but, you know, we'll try not to remember that part of the uh, Spider-Man bit those, hopefully. Uh, but, you know, I think that Tom Holland's doing a great job as Spider-Man. And I thought this was a really fun movie, and I thought it was a great way to wrap up this phase of the MCU. And best part of it, J.K. Simmons is back yes. as J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully... Well, hopefully by the time this podcast actually comes out, about another month would have gone by. So hopefully by this point in time, you've seen it. And if not, I just pulled like a small part of it. You're okay, because Tom Holland himself was on the Graham Norton show explaining like the premise of what what Spider-Man Far From Home was a couple of weeks ago. And he was talking about, you know, they're dealing with the aftermath of Endgame and coping with, with Tony Stark's death and, and whatnot. And he's... T- He's essentially saying all these spoilers. He's like, but listen, if you haven't seen it yet right by now, you're living under a rock. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that anybody that's listening to this podcast is going to be like, you know what? I was going to see it until James ruined it for me. (laughs) Yeah. And and if he did, please leave us a message and let us know. Right. Yes. Let us know how I've ruined it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought that was I thought that was great too. Um, I, it was a really really fun uh, movie for me. I really enjoyed it as well. You mentioned the Tobey Maguire Spider Man. So my son uh, was watching Spider Man, like the first one, uh, this morning with Tobey Maguire, and I was looking at it and I was like, you know, Tobey Maguire looks essentially the same. He hasn't aged in like 15 years. And then I started to realize he didn't really look like 19 in that movie he looks like he's 35 years old in that movie um and i think that that's kind of the disconnect i have with it and i really feel like the 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 part of the reason why tom holland does such a great job is because he looks uh he looks young he looks the part he has uh an innocence about him uh and even before dancing spider-man and Spider-Man 3 came along, Tobey Maguire just kind of had this angsty, uh, I never felt comfortable in the role to me. I'll tell you the thing that I liked the most about it was was that it captured Spider-Man's like uh, inner inner grappling with the, with great power comes great responsibility because he's on vacation. He doesn't really want to do this. And he really has to come to grips with what uh, being a hero is uh, especially in the absence of his mentor, uh, the dearly departed uh, Tony Stark, and I think that um, I think that you can have all the CG and all the explosions and and all the superheroics that you want, but the the best movies in, in this genre are grounded in in those like personal struggles, and I think it was really really excellent. Sean, what did you think? It was good. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> so, you know, the two things I'll say about Spider-Man Far From Home, one of them is it's not new to this movie because they did this in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, but I really liked how they made the characters and the cast uh, reflective of the world of society today. So I was talking to my cousin um, 
over the 4th of July weekend that I haven't talked to in a while, but he grew up a huge Spider-Man fan and uh, would dress up as Spider-Man, like as an adult, probably last year for Halloween as Spider-Man. And we would have conversations about, um, about Marvel comics, but you know, he would know anything about that has to do with Spider-Man. And we were talking about how in the original comics, Flash Thompson is this bully but it's the bully that is reflective of 1950s, 1960s Spider-Man, where it's a huge like jock that would physically beat up people. But in this, in this movie and in Homecoming, Flash is not that uh, doesn't have that sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for. It doesn't have that physique, mm-hmm. but it's still a bully in terms of how bullying is happening today. Where he's probably somebody that would be a cyber bully or somebody that just mercilessly tease someone because that's what bullying is like today. And so that's what I really like about uh, the movies. It's reflective of that. You know, they have more of a diverse uh, cast where they have, you know, MJ as Zendaya as as MJ and not a typical redhead that they usually see in the comics, you know, I think is a great way to really, you know, change things around a little bit, but be reflective and have it be relatable to society today. The other thing that I really liked about uh, Spider-Man Far From Home is how it really sets you up to think in the trailers that there is going to be this multiverse. And then (laughs) they threw it in your face by having Quentin Beck, Mysterio, say it was the most ridiculous theory anyone's ever thought of, but everyone totally bought it. And I will say I am that person that bought it. I was just in that moment. I was like, ah, you, yeah, I fell for it. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it's genius. A, yeah. Uh, I thought, I thought for a long time that uh, this is, that if they were going to do this, it was the snap that was that it was a great way to explain it i mean honestly it was yeah. like this is where this is where it can go but um once once the once the stuff started fading away the cgi started fading away and i was like i knew he was lying that lousy <laughs> yeah but <laughs> so was there ever a point in the film that maybe i mean even we all have, like, the three of us have the kind of background knowledge about the Mysterio character, but was there any point in that to where you almost started to believe Quentin Beck and maybe come around and say, you know what, maybe he what, maybe he's not going to be a bad guy in this? This is what I'll say. I would say, honestly, no, but there was a little doubt in my mind because of what, they did it with the scrolls and Captain Marvel. I think had they never done that, I would have never thought, and like I would never have thought that maybe Beck wasn't a bad guy. But as watching, I was like, I know he's going to be a bad guy. I mean, it's a Mysterio. He's a villain. Like, there's no way. But at, back in my mind, I was like, well, they made scrolls a, a good guy, and they're typically a bad guy in the comics too. So yeah. For 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 my money, this is what this is what I was thinking the entire time. Like Sean said, this guy's this guy's a bad guy. It's only a matter of time before they turn him into a bad guy. But at the same time, if you're if you're familiar with Mysterio's power, like what he was doing didn't really line up with anything he had ever done in the comics, like shooting stuff out of his hands at at bad guys and and things like that. That just it, so, like Mysterio's powers were what what it was revealed that he was actually doing, which was altering your perception of reality. Um, and, and something was like, I don't know, uh, something was sitting a little bit sideways with me. Uh, and 
I but I did get that feeling like like that. Oh, I should have known better when um when the when it was revealed. I will tell you what though, because we talked about our affinity for uh, Mr. Hemsworth. I think one of the reasons why it was so believable is because Jake Gyllenhaal is a is another guy that's just like he's good looking, he's uh, charming, and like you you find yourself in the same role that Peter was, and you just believe what he was selling because of who was selling it. And right. uh, I think it was the perfect, you know, they pull the, they pull the, the dinner, the, t- the tablecloth out from underneath all of the, the silverware and everything. Like it was just, it was just an illusion. <laughs> so um, that was actually one of the things that I wanted to bring up with you guys was about um, how, how grounded in reality um, Mysterio's power seemed as compared to the comics. And I, to set this up, they they explained it very very well with um, with the backstory that he worked for the for Stark and everything and then um, using the using the drones and projecting that the 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 holograms and whatnot and it leads people to believe that something's there that's not really there. Um, do either of you guys feel like that that is something that we could see in our in our lifetime? You think that's reality or is it just close enough to something? Uh, that we could see in our lifetimes that it's believable on screen. Do you want me to take that first, e- Don? E- either one. Yeah, why don't you do that, James? Because I I completely spaced what Kevin was saying. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we only I got, have I got lost in your eyes, man. <laughs> we only. I try to get close when I try to make a point. Sorry. Uh, we uh. We only have 10 more minutes left, Sean. Let's not waste it. On- oh, yeah. <laughs> no, goodness, yeah. <laughs> no goofing around here. So, <laughs> so I would definitely say that with Mysterio's powers being all kind of grounded in this kind of virtual reality kind of aspect of it, but I mean, that's kind of where we are right now with virtual reality. This just seems to be that next step, that kind of next step that I would say that we'll probably see within about the next 10 years. Uh, I know there's companies out there that like um, holographic replay for NFL. And then you've got like those other companies that are doing like the hologram recordings and stuff things like that. So it seems like this is like that next step in that kind of like evolutionary technological bit we're on. I think that for me, the way that I see it is like, if I, if I saw it today, I mean, it's still very much science fiction. If I saw it today, I wouldn't believe that that's possible except for in a movie, but in the reality that these characters exist in, they've been pushed a little bit further than, than we have. Cause you think about, um, Thor is uh, a godlike character from essentially another another reality, another dimension, uh, and he exists in their in their world. Um, space aliens exist in their world, so there's a little bit more leeway. But I tell you that this the story, the guys that write the story, the guys that are putting everything together, they do it in such a way that you can see yourself in that reality, and it. They did. I just the the way that they presented that character just made so much more of a connection to how we exist in in the world that's that's uh, been overtaken by technology uh, and how somebody can use that technology uh, for um, for ill will, but that 
that it seems possible. It seems like something that could happen to us uh, in, in this reality, even though it's being presented as science fiction on screen. It goes back to the conversation that we've always had as a society in terms of how science fiction impacts reality in terms of imagining what's possible. When we think about Star Trek in the 60s and how that's inspired like generations of engineers and uh, scientists and people just wanting to explore, you know, can we do this? Is this something that's possible creating uh, stem phasers and being able to create spaceships to go into space and light speed and things like that. And so I think it's something that as we watch these movies, yeah, I think it's going to be reality. Is it going to be the same kind of reality that we see in movies? Probably not, but that's where the direction we're heading. And especially with Iron Man coming out and kicking off the MCU, I think was just indicative of the fact that technology at the same time was also booming and so it embeds itself with the reality that we're living in right now. So I agree with both of you that um, we're going to see something like that in one shape or another, it, you know, with the kind of technology that they have with the, the BARF system, I think is what it was called yeah, by right. Stark, you know, not that Beck really liked that at all. But um, I think that's going to be the, the next thing is just like what James was talking about. We've been working on virtual reality for such a long time and, now we're getting to a point where virtuality is starting to become not, I won't say great, but it's a lot better than what it was before. And I think it's going to start becoming ubiquitous, especially in education and training and stuff like that. That's going to be the next thing is being able to come up with some sort of hologram, which is something that we've seen in the comics with like the Danger Room and X-Men and how Star Trek Next Generation have their own. Um, I forget what they call it. I think it's just, you know, they, they call it like the holodeck or something like that. Um, I, I think it's just the natural step of technology evolution uh, to go in that direction. So yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. But instead of, instead of Quentin Beck, it's going to be Elon Musk and he's going to be taking over the world. Right. <laughs> but in, in, in all, in all seriousness though, like the people that are most likely to develop that kind of technology uh, seem, seem like the, you know, because it's done for the movies, um, they would, it would it would come from somewhere in Hollywood. Maybe not Elon Musk doing it, but maybe um, Steven Spielberg, you know, taking over taking over the world with that that sort of technology. I mean, if you've if you've been to Disney World, uh, you've or Disneyland, you've ridden rides that they they employ or they use employ the Pepper's Ghost, which is uh, like projecting something on a on a like a. a pane of glass where you where you think it's there but it's not um so those kind of things definitely have a an entertainment value to them but the the thing that i fear is how they were employed in the movie is that um they're going to something like that would be used to show something that's not really there because i think our society as a whole has a already has a problem with believing things that aren't really there and uh and uh, it's a I don't know. It's a it's a really really fine line to to walk, um, and it's well, we're, like we're Star already Trek. there though, right? Like, because yeah. there's AI systems that's already like creating pictures of people that don't even exist on Earth, and they look real. So I mean, yeah. we're we're already kind of in that cusp of things, and and you know we didn't talk about this in the podcast episode, but we talked about how information and knowledge and technology keeps rapidly improving. And we're just going to keep seeing more of that, you know? 
I had an AI system create a girlfriend for me when I was in junior high that was not real. <laughs> Technology has gotten so much better. <laughs> That's really the only reason to create anything worth technology, right? For right. fun. <laughs> Which, by the way, do we think Beck is actually dead? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question. I, I thought about that. I thought about that, like walking out of it, especially after, um, after seeing that 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 stinger clip at the very very end. Was he was he indeed uh, really dead? Because look, if they could save Nick Fury from some of the things that he's he's been through, uh, they could definitely they could definitely save Quentin Beck from from those injuries. I certainly hope. That's not the last we see of Quentin Beck's Bisterio. I really hope not, because just a good character, just all the way around. I mean, they fleshed that character out so well. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal did such a fantastic job in that role. Uh, I really hope they bring him back. And that I really think that that was just the surface of his uh... – he wasn't necessarily evil. He was just looking to like find a, like find a, he wanted to create a world where he was needed. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's obviously some psychosis and you're only scratching the surface of it with his appearance so far. And as he takes that downward spiral and maybe picks up steam with some of the other uh, sinister six members, I would love to, I would like James said, I would love to see them continue that. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. Cause I think, that's been the really nice thing about MCU is that they're paying the characters that's not a hundred percent like clearly that's not a hundred percent clearly bad guys as villains. Because we saw that with Thanos, where Thanos had a logic to why he wants to do things. Granted, no one agreed with it, mm-hmm. but it made sense in some sort of capacity. And you kind of I don't want to say made sense, but you understood where he was coming from. And same thing with Michael Keaton's character with Vulture is he wasn't necessarily a bad guy. He was just trying to make money for his family and he got screwed out from quote unquote, Tony Stark. Like Tony Stark has actually been the problems of for Spider-Man. Hasn't he? <laughs> Cause he created Vulture. He created right. Mysterio. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I never yeah. really thought about that. That's a really interesting point. Yeah. He's been well, his greatest source of inspiration and, and his biggest source of bad guys to fight that, he, that Tony Stark is double crossed. You know, if you really think about it, like the first quote unquote bad guy that Tony Stark had Spider-Man fight was Captain America. I mean, if you kind of follow that all the way back, it's like the, it's like you get Spider-Man to have to go fight against Cap and the other, his group. It's just, it's crazy. But you know what? You think about it on, in terms of his own franchise, Tony Stark was an incredible inventor, but the thing he made better than anybody else was villains because <laughs> Obadiah Stane uh, oh, oh, was, Obadiah. Was, had the, the original armor that Tony created. Um, the Whiplash was, was the product of, I guess, his father, but still, like, you know, was fruit of a poison tree. Uh Aldrich Killian in Spider—I mean, in uh, Iron Man three—got left on that roof and decided he was going to take over the world because he got stonewalled by Tony Stark. And then Ultron—Ultron <laughs> Ultron was created by Tony Stark. Vulture, 
Quentin Beck, the, the list goes on and on. Tony Stark left a undeniable legacy of villain creation in the MCU. And when are we going to start acknowledging this as a society? <laughs> but hey, even dead, he's the hero. Right, even dead, he's the hero. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> well, we will have Wasn't to talk it? about that uh, on in another episode. In another like, episode. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that'd be a great topic. All right. Hey, well, I think that's going to do it for today. That wraps up another episode of The Caption Life. We really, really hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to and follow us on social media at Caption Life. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Kevin. I'm James. And I'm Sean. And we'll see you later. Peace out. See ya.